Episode 98, the Louisiana Healthcare Quality Forum Tackles Drug-Seeking Behavior. Today, I speak with Cindy Munn. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value. The Louisiana Healthcare Quality Forum is the organization that runs LAHAI, which is the health information exchange in Louisiana. LAHAI has many achievements to its credit, but I speak about one of them with Cindy Munn, who is the CEO of the Louisiana Healthcare Quality Forum. And that one of them is identifying patients who are misusing the emergency department. It turns out that in Louisiana, 41%, 41% of patients who are visiting the ED visit the ED for non-emergency reasons. And one of these reasons is trying to get a prescription for an opioid. Hydrocodone is the drug most often prescribed by EDs as it stands. We not only discuss those goings-ons, but also how self-insured employers want and need timely information about what's happening amongst their insured, especially in this area of drug-seeking behavior. My name is Stacey Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, Cindy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Louisiana Healthcare Quality Forum. You are the CEO. So I know that many of our listeners are familiar with what an HIE is, but just in case someone is not, do you kind of just want to give us the background of what, what does an HIE do? Surely. Louisiana Healthcare Quality Forum manages the State Health Information Exchange, or LAHAI. And an HIE is primarily there to provide interoperability amongst different electronic health records so that they're able to communicate with each other and it's secure and HIPAA compliant. That's not unique as it relates to HIEs, what we do, but one of our areas of focus has always been to look at how do we leverage that capability so that it can be beneficial to outside of just uh, hospital providers. And that's one of the things that we focused on, and we've identified a way to help managed care organizations as well as self-insured employers. When we're talking about an HIE, and you had mentioned you help with interoperability, the way that I have always pictured or envisioned an HIE, and let me know whether this, this vision is accurate, it's almost like the HIE serves as a hub that collects data, incoming data from EHRs across the state, normalizes it, and then puts it into a format that it can be retrieved. So the data is collected and then people can log in and see the data that is coming from their peers and organizations elsewhere. Would that be an accurate way to sum it up? Yes. Yes, that's accurate. It allows the provider to get the full longitudinal view of the patient's history coming from different providers and EHRs. What's your nickname? Because I'm sure you don't call yourself the Louisiana Health Quality Forum. <laughs> it's called, our nickname for our health information exchange is LAHAI. I know a lot of what many HIEs have been focused on, the very, very valuable 
information about patients who have gone to the emergency room. If a patient goes to the emergency room to notify their providers, is that the case also with Lai? We've always had the capability with our exchange to notify providers. Many of the challenges that most HIEs have faced is interfacing providers at a fast enough rate. The problem with addressing ED visits is that for those providers or hospitals with EDs who are not interfaced at this time or we're in the process of interfacing them, how do we capture all this? And the state identified with Medicaid that they had a very high utilization rate and that they felt like 41% of the ED visits with Medicaid were attributed to non-emergent conditions. And so we looked at a way to address that where we could capture all EDs and provide valuable resources back to the managed care organizations to the state. And just to give you an example, we did an analysis over a year's time period of all-payer data in our exchange and saw that 30% of the patients who visited the ED over that year were followed by at least one more ED visit within the 90-day time period. Even a handful of those had over 100 visits, driving the equivalent of two coast-to-coast road trips, which is unbelievable. That was a catalyst that we used to look at how can we take this and broaden it so it is beneficial to the state, to managed care organizations, and to self-insured employers. Wait a second. Let me just make sure I understand this right. 41% of ED visits are non-emergent. That's with state Medicaid. They identified 41% were non-emergent. Wow. And 30% of individuals who visit the ER once come back within the next 90 days. Let me give you a couple examples. And what we saw with the top eight reasons is primarily for some type of general pain, back pain. Typically, coming from the hospital setting, typically what you're seeing is drug-seeking behaviors. For example, I see one here. I'm looking at the data. 27-year-old male had 296 ED visits to two facilities and traveled over 1,200 miles. Yeah, you said that before. So is that a very slim person? I can't even imagine. I mean, that's just like every day you're going to the emergency room. It is unbelievable. But when you look back on what our state reported, the most commonly prescribed medication in Louisiana's emergency rooms is hydrocodone. So you're seeing a pattern. It's not all patients, but it's something that it's definitely an issue. I'm looking at one other one, which is even more amazing, a 34-year-old, 92 emergency department visits, traveled almost 12,000 miles to 13 facilities. And again, it just causes you to pause because what happens is if, and, and this is where the health information exchange can be useful, is that once you start identifying that you have the data readily available and physicians can access that information, then it helps emergency room physicians who are participating in the exchange see 
the other behaviors and they know what's happening. But in addition to this, if you are a managed care organization or a self-insured employer, you're going to start seeing trends with your employees or with these members so that you can do more timely intervention. Whenever I had been thinking about an HIE and their services in the past, I always considered the information chain to be, this is an ED communicating with a patient's primary care provider, you know, an ambulatory provider's. But this is different. This is one ED really communicating with another ED if these people are traveling from one to another in search of a fix, it sounds like. Yes, we've done two things with this. Not all the hospitals. We have like probably 60% of all of our hospitals participating in the exchange. So that emergency department, any ED that's participating in the exchange will be able to access this information. But for those who are not, what we did was build a clinical portal so that they could access this information during this transitional time period. Because it's very important for the emergency room physician to be able to see the previous visit history within emergency departments so that they can identify the potential drug-seeking pattern. And that must put a very large burden, really, on the the ED staff. And it really speaks to, obviously, it's a microcosm of a much larger issue, the opioid addiction, which is rampant nationally. Was there something that drove Louisiana to handle this in this way? Well, besides the fact that our stats were pretty awful, When you looked at, we ranked 45th in the nation in ED visits, according to the Kaiser Family Foundation. And we were third in the national per capita ED utilization per thousand population. We looked at what were the common causes for ED visits. We broke it up 18 years and older and then for children. And abdominal pain, lower back pain, headaches, these were in the top five, and that leads you to suspect drug-seeking behavior. That's common. If someone goes to the ED and says, hi, I have lower back pain, that's kind of a sign that they know exactly what to ask for to get an opioid. Correct. It's a symptom, yes. You're also working with a lot of employers, self-insured employers. Was this one of the reasons, the pain-seeking behavior, how you got hooked up with employers, or, or how did that go down? Two reasons. I was visiting with one of my board members and who had just received a large national self-insured construction company, and he had just received his report on his costs associated with health benefits. And he was very upset because the costs associated with ED visits were extremely high. And the question he asked me is, tell me what Lahai can do to help me with this. So it started some additional conversations. And this tied quite nicely with what we were doing at the state level. And so we continued to talk. And his comment back to me, and I've let me just say that we are in the process of working with four self-insured organizations, and we have some waiting for us to visit with them. So this is catching on. The idea was, how do we 
help them leverage their internal resources or contracted resources, typically your, their care managers, so that they have information much, much faster than they would typically see. So they're not waiting for the claims data to come in and be processed. They get this information every 24 hours. And what they're able to do is act on it faster, utilizing the resources that they have. Now, one of the questions, and and it's something that we're focused on now, is they're wanting us to aggressively get all of the emergency rooms, all of the hospitals to participate because the value then goes up significantly. And what they've shared with me is at that point in time, when we have all the hospitals participating, then they can get much more aggressive on the drug-seeking activities that they're seeing as well. And so it's a win for them as a self-insured organization. It improves outcome and it reduces their cost. And then for us, it's generating additional revenue that we were always looking at ways to leverage the exchange and how do we diversify our revenue stream. Employers were looking over their healthcare costs, noticed that ED visits were skyrocketing and causing a lot of spend. Obviously, you have a lot of data about those ED visits and were able to help pinpoint that a large majority or at least some sort of preponderance of costs were attributed to perhaps the employer's employees seeking drugs. Is, correct. is that? That's correct. And in addition, they want to take a more aggressive role in population health management for their employees. And what will help them is having more timely information, access to information relating to all ED visits. What do those case managers do? I mean, do these large employers have programs to counsel their employees about drugs and get them help? I'll give two different examples. There are two large employers that do have internal resources. They have their own case managers and they want to utilize those. They feel like they can leverage their resources more efficiently by doing it that way. And there's another organization that we are notifying a contracted source that they use. Again, it's just a different approach, different groups, but they're going to take the same actions in that they are going to reach out to these members, these patients, to educate them about when's an appropriate time to use the emergency room and when it's not, and give them information on where they can go in the future if they have to go in and contact information should they have questions. Again, and if this is a patient who has a chronic disease, this allows their case management group to be much more aggressive and in getting involved in working with the patient relating to best practices associated with their chronic disease. So, and the other thing is some of these patients, and I'm speaking about Medicaid, but I'm sure it could be applied here. What we identified with Medicaid is that many of these patients did not even know who their primary care physician was. And so it helps to reintroduce the concept of there are times when you need to go to the emergency room And all other times, you really should be seeing your primary care physician because he looks at you from the holistic standpoint. What are all the needs that you have, not just what's bringing you to the office at that point in time? 
They're also focusing on scheduling appointments for these patients with their primary care physician. A benefit of the HIE is to help the employers understand there are certain patients who are using the ED basically as a primary care physician, and then helping those patients actually get a primary care physician, sounds like. Correct. That's correct. I could see how that would work if it's a patient with high blood pressure or diabetes. But if you've got a drug-seeking patient who's desperately seeking drugs, Obviously, they have all kinds of incentives to still go back to the ED. Have the employers that you worked with or Medicaid or anyone figured out how to address that or at least started to? Early, early stages of discussion, the self-insured groups that we talked to, what they needed to identify first is where they're going and by having access to this data for their employees, they can start seeing the trends. The diagnosis, if anyone leaves the ED, the diagnosis will not be drug-seeking. It will be general pain, back pain, things like that. But once you start seeing the trended data, then you can look at potentially developing more aggressive treatment plans or and identifying where within the state Are such programs available? The case manager can get much more, just like with a chronic disease, think of it that way, get much more involved working with the member or the employee and seeking assistance for the employee. And keep in mind, the employers are also going to be concerned if they have an employee that is drug seeking, then this can be problematic for them on the job. It's twofold. It's looking at that bigger picture. We've done some work with different communities and again with emergency department data and the community is looking at are there enough resources available to address some of these behaviors. And you know, employers can have a significant influence in different communities. So this has all kinds of potential tangents where improving outcomes, specifically as it relates to drug-seeking behaviors, it is it's definitely possible. I know in the past, I've heard a lot about drug registries, opioid registries. Mm-hmm. In the case of Louisiana, has the HIE supplanted a separate registry? Is that sort of the trend? Oh, no. We're never going to supplant any registry. If anything, our focus will be on how to support or integrate with registries that are out there. That would be something that we would look at in the future. I know it's been discussed, but nope. We, we would not look to take the place of a registry. As we're speaking in particular about opioids, but nothing for nothing, this pertains to your standard population health management type actions as well. Do pharmacists have access? If a pharmacy wants to connect to Lahai, they can connect to Lahai. The pharmacists in the state participate. The state has an infrastructure well. They can access what has been prescribed in the past. But at this point in time, with the exchange, we've not aggressively recruited pharmacists, but we're structured where they can. And our priority had been hospitals and physician clinics. 
there on our list. It's just the bandwidth to get everybody on board. One of the things that we've had discussions with the state pharmacy board to identify their specific needs to see if we can get pharmacist access faster rather than going to all the different pharmacies. What role do you see pharmacists playing? Do you see their role expanding? You know, I'm married to a pharmacist, ironically. Uh, <laughs> so you would I can, know. <laughs> I can tell you that if they have access to information that shows there is a potential problem, they can intervene in that contacting the prescribing physician. And again, the prescribing physician, if you're drug seeking, you're going to go to different providers. So they will notify the prescribing physician that there's a potential problem. And so they can play a very, very critical role if they have access to the appropriate information. Pharmacists take their role very seriously and they know how they can have a significant impact in improving outcomes as it relates to medications that are dispensed. On one hand, it would be a really good double check to make sure that the pharmacists had access to information such as as we're discussing. I mean, not only for, obviously, opioids, but also just for population health management. I mean, there's a lot of pharmacists these days that are becoming more and more empowered members of medical neighborhoods. But I also could see that all of this, especially as it relates to patients who are desperately seeking something they're addicted to, Mm -hmm. that it's a very difficult situation that if you're a pharmacist and or even a provider, even an emergency room, and you've got a patient who's demanding their level 10 pain for their lower back or abdomen issue, and you're saying, sorry, that's a tough spot. It is. And you mentioned the medical neighborhood. This is everybody, every group is critical as it relates to improving population health in the medical neighborhood. Pharmacists, employers, state, managed care organizations, it's all intertwined in order to improve outcomes. And that was one of the reasons why we worked with a parish ED focus group, because they realized that all resources that are necessary to improve outcomes and reduce avoidable emergency room visits, they had to identify what was missing. So we backed into that for them to look at what was creating this challenge where people were using the emergency room within that parish for primary care usage rather than going to an assigned primary care provider. So it's a very broad subject, and it's very easy to get real focused on one thing when you realize that there's so many people and groups involved that are necessary. Based on the data that you see or just your own anecdotal experience, is there a certain profile of provider, a certain demographic or psychographic or technology profile, slice it however you like, but is there a certain kind of provider that seems to get the most out of what an HIE like Lehigh offers? What we're seeing it in different parts of the state, how people are using it. There's one part of the state, the Acadiana area 
where they're realizing the continuity of care and having that, especially post-acute admission, focusing on continuum of care, how it's important to see that, that bigger picture. But what I find interesting is there are many small primary care practices that are very involved. They know they need to see what's happened with their patients, if have they been to the emergency room. We have home health organizations that are involved in, uh, in Lahai. What's been posted by the home health organization? I think what's happening is that the past, the different areas of programs, home health, hospital, the physician practice, long-term care, they all operated in silos. What the health information exchange is doing is also changing that mentality. And it's quite timely in that when you start looking at accountable care communities, accountable care organizations, providers need to look at this much differently in that it's all one. You've got to look at that bigger picture. What we're seeing is there's more of an acceptance and an understanding of the value that this brings in different parts of the state where we're starting to see more traction as it relates to ACOs or uh, shared savings. Sounds like the payment model might be the biggest. um... Yeah, I come from the hospital setting and I was having a conversation the other day. The question was, what's going to drive providers to change. And I said, you know, I've got to tell you, based on my experience, we're very adept at changing if reimbursement changes. I was actually at an ad board one time and a physician said something which summed it up better than anything I've ever heard. He said, if you pay me, I'll do it. (laughs) That's, That's it. That's it. Where can people find more information about Lahai or the Louisiana Health Quality Forum? They need to go to our website, www.lhcqf.org, and it talks about Lahai as well as some of our other programs that we have implemented that also support providers in moving to this different payment model. And I misspoke. It is the Louisiana Health Care Quality Forum, right? Correct. That is correct. Excellent. Well, I thank you so much for being on the program today, Cindy. Thank you. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of All of the shows that we have published thus far with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.